Welcome to the Wallbutter Show. This is the intersection of faith and the culture. We're taking on all the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. I'm Rick Green, former Texas legislator and a uh, a lover of liberty. I'm a lover of const- of the Constitution, of, of the Bible, of all of these resources that made America the greatest nation in history. And I know you are as well. So thanks for joining us on the program. I, I am honored to be here with David and Tim Barton. You know, Tim Barton travels all over the country. Well, David and Tim both still traveling all over the nation teaching, inspiring, equipping. I mean, I, I don't know uh, if, if there is a, um, uh, you know, a, a way to compare their level of travel to George Whitfield, but uh, but it has the same result, which is to impact the culture in a really, really positive way. You can learn more about all three of us at our website, wallbuilderslive.com. David's, of course, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. Tim's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. And we're all three honored to be able to bring you information and, and, and teach and inspire. And, and we hope you'll do the same. You know, you can be a force multiplier. You can be a major player in restoring America's constitutional republic. You can donate to Wall Builders. You can do that at our website today, wallbuilderslive.com. That one-time or monthly contribution is what makes it possible for us to reach more people. So thank you for being a part of that. You can be a part of this by by just sharing it, by, by taking the links of the program, of, of, of the different things on our websites, and sharing those with your friends and family, posting them on social media, and then, of course, becoming a Constitution coach and hosting the classes we've created over the years. You can do Constitution Alive or Biblical Citizenship in Modern America, Foundations of Freedom. There's lots of great options out there. We even now have Kirk Cameron's American Campfire Revival. It's all available and free at constitutioncoach.com, so check that out today as well. All right, David and Tim, before we get into our regular good news, and I say it that way because I think these highlighted stories of heroes is good news. I think reminding ourselves of all these great heroes throughout our history and learning from them is a little piece of good news for all of us each day. And so in February, we're going to be doing this every day, and today's our third story. Who are we talking about? Well, this is one of my favorite outfits. In fairness, the first couple of these, uh, if you go to the Wall Builder website and and you get all 20 of these, we do have them uh, in a specific order and, and not necessarily like our favorite to our least favorite. But the first couple, I was like, I want these stories to be first because these are amazing stories. So we are following the sequence of stories that you will get if, if you get the 20 stories from the American Hero series on the Wall Builders website. But this guy, genuinely, I think one of the coolest guys, one of the coolest stories of of someone that is just not generally known in American history, and that's Bass Reeves. Now, Bass Reeves was cool for lots of reasons, not the least of which in my mind. When I was growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was The Lone Ranger. Today, there are many people that make the argument that the character The Lone Ranger, who was allegedly based on a real-life individual, that his story was based on Bass Reeves' life. Now, certainly there was some Hollywood variant in that story. Nonetheless, this is the individual Bass Reeves that today so few people know about, but really one of the coolest stories to me in the kind of Wild West American history saga. Bass was a slave in Arkansas, and his owner in Arkansas says, hey, I want to be something in the legislature. And so he came to Texas, actually ran for office, elected to the legislature in Texas. He became the Speaker of the House in Texas. And he and, and Bass were involved in a, in a card game at one point in time, and a fight erupted, and it turned out that Bass knocked his owner out, just knocked him out cold. 
Well, that's probably the death penalty for, for most slaves when that happens. And he realized that, and he headed for the high country, which in this place, coming from Texas, high country is going north to Oklahoma. So you get in the Kaimishi Mountains, and you're, you're in high country. He went to Oklahoma because that was where the five major Indian tribes lived. They call the five civilized tribes, and nobody went in there. That's where all the outlaws went to be able to, to defend themselves and be protected. And that's where Bass went, and he learned that country. Well, it was still the Indian Territory at that time, right? So you're mentioning these five major tribes. It was still the Indian Territory. Dad, growing up, I remember so well going and, and camping at Robber's Cave because there was this massive place up there where outlaws used to go, these big boulders and, and the stories that they would go and they would hide out in these big rocks, these big caves. And so Bass Reeves escapes to the Indian Territory where it is all of these native tribes and outlaws and there's really no law enforcement. So Bass is able to lay low and at the end of the Civil War, 13th Amendment is passed, slavery is ended, and Bass realizes, okay, if slavery is over, I can leave Oklahoma, leave the Indian Territory. So he goes to Arkansas and kind of starts farming in Arkansas. Well, at that point, there in Fort Smith, it actually was a fort back then. There was a judge and, and there was law enforcement around, and they would get warrants periodically to, to go chase some of the outlaws in the Oklahoma or the Indian Territory. And these law enforcement guys said, I've never been there. Well, word got around that Bass Reeves really knew the area well. So he would get hired by some of these different law enforcement professionals. He would be their guide, help them navigate the Indian Territory. As time goes on, there is a federal judge, Judge Parker, who is there. And he decides that he's going to really try to bring law and order to that area, including in the Indian Territory. He gets 200 marshals. And at this point, Bass Reeves is chosen as one of the U.S. deputy marshals. And dad, as, as people even look at this story, so often if we think about deputy marshals or like the Lone Ranger, right? Like this is kind of a glorious story. This was not the safest job back then. No, it was not a safe job. But those 200 marshals, 65 were gunned down. Uh, there were signs posted. In, now he was in Fort Smith, which is on the border of Arkansas and Oklahoma. And there were border signs that said, any deputy that comes in here will be shot on site. And so it was a very dangerous place. And what would happen is Bass learned that area because he lived there for a while and he knew where people would hide out. And so he would get a what they called a, a prison wagon. It's really kind of like a, a big oversized stagecoach. But he would take that. He would take a stack of warrants. He would take a, a cook. He would take a guard with him. And the three would take off in the Indian Territory, 75,000 square miles. And sometimes he would be gone for months. And he would come back with dozens of prisoners. Uh, in his career, he arrested 3,000 criminals out, out of that area. He had several gunfights, several shootouts where they tried to kill him, and he would have to fight for his life, etc. And he became really one of the most noted deputies. Uh, there's even, He was so good that there's actually counts of people dreaming, having a dream that Bass Reeves was coming to arrest them, and they would go turn themselves in the next morning because nobody wanted Bass Reeves coming after them. So he was a very, he, he was not a killer per se. He was just so good at what he did, nobody wanted to cross him. And so it's a great, great story. They have a 25-foot statue to him now there at Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, after, after that territory became a state of Oklahoma, he went to the Muskogee Police Department and spent the rest of his years there on the police department in Muskogee. But the, the first black deputy U.S. Marshal in, in the Western United States and one of the best stories there is. And Tim, as you said, he's kind of the prototype for the Lone Ranger. Uh, and they kind of based that on, on the episodes that, that Bass Reeves had throughout his career. 
All right, fellas, well, let's switch over to good news. Folks, we'll have a story like that for you every day throughout February. And uh, you can learn more at the website, wallbuilders.com, if you want to download those, uh, those, those stories and share them with your friends and family. We'd love for you to do that. In fact, just share the program with them as well. And you're going to want to hear the rest of the program as well. Everybody needs some encouragement uh, these days. And there's a lot of good things happening out there. I've noticed, guys, there's more and more headlines. Just when I scan the headlines, I'm seeing more and more good stories. And, uh, and, and I think that's, uh, that, that's a, a kind of a turning of the tide, maybe, that, that's happening. But uh, I'm curious if you guys are seeing more good news and and tell me what you're going to jump into on your stack first, David. Yeah, definitely seeing a lot of good news. Uh, you may recall that several years ago, we talked about how that under Trump, we had a stack that got several inches high. We just couldn't go through it fast enough. This is the same kind of stuff. There's really good news happening. And I want to start with what's going in Congress. You know, we, we've already covered the fact that they had that big fight for the Speaker, 15 votes, kind of unprecedented in a long time. And the media played that up as division within the ranks. And it really wasn't about Kevin McCarthy. It was about getting rules changes done. We had some of the members on talk about that, Brian Babin. We had Josh Burkeen and other congressmen on talking about what they wanted. And so here we are now, and, and they're just now getting all the appointments made to all the various committees. And one of the things that really stands out to me is these guys that kind of led the opposition, they, they kind of created the national news and the, the fear are, and people said they're, they're fighting against McCarthy. And those two dozen or so guys, they have some of the best appointments in this Congress. They did not get thrown in the janitorial committee. They're on the rules committee. They're on the budget committee. These are the big, powerful committees. And on top of that, McCarthy did exactly what they said they were going to do with the rules. They have changed rules. And so this happened last week for the first time since 2000, which is 23 years, they actually had a vote come to the floor with what's called a modified open rule. The Rules Committee has to give a ruling on every single piece of legislation that goes to the floor, and that ruling says how you can treat it when it gets to the floor. Well, Democrats and Republicans for a long time have had a closed rule, which means you can vote up or down on this thing, but you can't change anything in it. We've got in it what we, the leadership, want, and you individual congressmen don't get to have a voice in anything. So you couldn't make amendments. You couldn't change it. it, it that's the way it went to the floor. Modified open rule says you can have whatever amendments you want as long as you get them turned in 24 hours ahead of time. And that kind of goes to the thing where that every bill, before you vote on it, you're going to get 72 hours to read it. They're trying to give people enough time to be able to put their stuff together and, and know what's happening. And so with the amendments, this this vote is the first time in 23 years that congressmen from the floor have been able to try to change a bill, make it more like what Congress wants and what the Speaker wants. Now, three, four weeks into this thing, we're seeing major, major, major changes and this is stuff that is, is really, this is the way Congress was supposed to work. This is the way it's intended to be, where that you elect a congressman and your congressman can actually make a difference rather than just go vote up or down on whatever the speaker says. This is really, really refreshing. And we have the real opportunity to make some progress here. Now, we still got to get it through the Senate and still got to get it by the president. But at least we're going to have stronger bills coming out of the House. And they're going to better represent the, the legislators that we send to the House to do this very work. I can't tell you how excited I am about what's going on with this and the fact that McCarthy didn't try to, 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 to hurt anybody on this. He didn't try retaliation. And actually, we've heard really good things about Kevin before and after this. Uh, talking to the pastor of the church where he attends, had really good things to say. Tim and I know that pastor. So we've heard good things about Kevin. He's always been a, a solid vote. And now he's really shown some character by by really trying to move the conservative ball down the court, despite what people said about him not being conservative. I'm really pleased with what I'm seeing. Well, and, and you know, Dad, to your point, 
we've heard some really good things, people saying that about him, um, but his leadership was a little undetermined how strong he was yeah. going to be because there yeah. were some times under President Trump when it didn't seem like he was as conservative as he should be, that he wasn't he wasn't fighting yeah. as aggressively as we thought he should. And now it, it's it's almost like there's a, a new level and a new switch has been flipped that he is way more aggressive than we imagined he would be. We always knew that generally speaking, he was on the right side of, of the conservative issues, but we are seeing him fight more aggressively and being more bold on this. When, when the news reporter was saying, hey, why, why aren't you letting Swalwell or Adam Schiff on these really prestigious committees? And he said, well, here's the really simple reason why. He didn't back down. He didn't try to politic it. He told the flat out truth of why they should not have the security clearances, the insight that they had had for the last couple of years. I, I, I've been incredibly impressed with his courage and tenacity to this point. Yeah, these kind of structural uh, changes, guys, are things that aren't just good news for today. These are things that are going to carry forward over the next two years, that, and not only this Congress, but it'll it'll you know pave the way uh, for future Congresses as well. We've got a lot more good news coming your way, and Tim will have the next piece of good news when we return right here on The Wobbler Show. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. We're back here on the Wall Builder Show. It's Good News Friday, and it's Tim Barton's time for some good news, Tim. Guys, this one is coming out of New York, and this one's kind of surprising to me. Uh, I did not see this coming necessarily, mostly because uh, sometimes with all of the crazy policies we've seen in New York and California, sometimes I can forget that there are really great people. There's some incredible conservatives, some great Christians in these states. Uh, well, this is one I did not see coming, but it's so encouraging the title of the article says, New York Supreme Court strikes down COVID-19 vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. And, and, and the quick rundown is a state Supreme Court judge in Syracuse, New York, Judge Gerard Neri, struck down a statewide mandate for medical staff to be vaccinated against COVID-19, ruling that Governor Kathy Hochul and the state's health department overstepped their authority. Uh, in explaining this, Judge Neri said the mandate was arbitrary and capricious, citing evidence that COVID-19 vaccines don't prevent the spread of the virus, undercutting the basis for the mandate, which is one of the things we've argued for a long time, is like this is this is not a vaccine in the traditional sense of what we've called a vaccine for however many decades, hundreds of years, or whatever that's been. Judge Neri said, in true Orwellian fashion, the respondents acknowledged then-current COVID-19 shots do not prevent transmission, Neri wrote, 
citing a summary of assessment of public comment that was entered as evidence in the case. In support of the view that the mandate was capricious, Neri also pointed to the fact that the order titled Prevention of COVID-19 Transmission by Covered Entities used a loose definition for, quote, fully vaccinated, end quote, namely one that was determined by the department. Now, guys, this is crazy because one of the things he pointed out is that in this law, it left it up to the departments to determine who was fully vaccinated and who wasn't. So you have to be vaccinated, but whether that means you had the initial shot or your first booster, second booster, third booster, that was up to the department. And so again, he pointed out how arbitrary this was. But what is so great is you see a judge in New York having the courage and backbone to say what is, of course, true and should be obvious that this state Supreme Court judge said you, you can't have this mandate because everything you're arguing you need the mandate for, this vaccine doesn't do. So this is a win we are seeing. Uh, and, and I'm saying this because it still is crazy in my mind. I mean, guys, we travel all the time. And sometimes just based on where we are traveling to speak, where we are flying, uh, some cities, you will be on a flight going to that city and the majority of the flight still has a mask. And then sometimes you're going to another state in another city and the majority of the flight, like nobody in the flight has a mask on. And you can just sometimes sense you are going into a liberal bastion just based on how many masks there are on the flight. And, and I'm not being critical. If somebody wants to mask, that's fine. I just, you know, what we know now about the science, those masks, especially cloth masks, if it's not an N95, it, it's, it's not helping you on any level whatsoever. And I understand, arguably speaking, I get it. However, it's, it's just great to see a state Supreme Court judge in New York acknowledging what is true, what the science actually is saying, and not what the governor and their health department in New York are arguing. By the way, when is the last time you guys have heard a liberal say, follow the science? <laughs> that's, that's a dead phrase now. That's the only thing we heard for months. And now that the science is out, they don't want to follow the science anymore, which I find really ironic. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's 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 actually turning the corner. Like we were talking about earlier, um, this is a turning of the tide in the in the culture. And so, you know, Tim, I think there's always going to be those pockets, maybe because this has become a cult where we're going to continue to see people not pay attention to the science and not be willing to, you know, part of it is they 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 have to admit that they what they did for so long and and maybe berated other people to do. Um, wasn't right. And so, you know, it's uh, it's like um, it's one of those awkward situations. We need to show grace to people. But at the same time, the people that did the deceiving, because a lot of people made bad decisions based on deception, but the people that did the deceiving, they need to be held accountable and there needs to be justice. But it's it's so good that we're finally getting people to, to wake up and the science is uh, finally being followed by most people, at least at this point. Well, you know, one of the things that, that we argued from the very beginning was that we believe in the freedom of choice for individuals. If individuals choose to do something, they have the freedom of choice to do that. If you want to wear a mask, if you want to get the vaccine, but you can't mandate that on everybody else. And it's it's just so ironic that now on airplane flights, they'll say, hey, because of the new guidelines, we're not requiring masks, but we <laughs> yeah. ask you to respect yeah. the other passengers and whatever decision they make. And we're like, that's what we said the whole time. Yeah, that, right, exactly. You were Where was that? Us. Where was that two years ago when you were kicking me off a plane? Yeah. You know, no, seriously. <laughs> uh, all it means now is that they still want to be coddled. They still want to be respected, even though they didn't respect other people. They still want to be respected yeah. because now the science is at least they're being honest, at least a little bit more about the science. Um, anyway, not to digress. It's Good News Friday. The good news from New York 
is that mandate has been struck down for medical and healthcare workers. That's great news. Very, very good news. All right, David, where's our next piece of news taking us? All right. Are, are you ready? Are, are you sitting down? I'm sitting down. We're going to Massachusetts for good news. Good yeah. news in Massachusetts, folks. Only here on What's the Wall the show you heard that? such a thing. I mean, <laughs> right. did we find another John Hancock or John Adams or Sam Adams document? That's great news. Massachusetts, <laughs> yeah. that's so good. It's, it's, uh, this is interesting. It deals with physician-assisted suicide. So mm-hmm. Massachusetts, of course, is a very liberal state. And very pro-abortion, pro, you know, everything. One of the first two to three states to say, hey, we don't want we don't want marriage the way it's been for 5,800 years. We're going to make our own definition. I mean, they, they just started so much in the wrong direction. However, they have put their foot down and said, no, there's not going to be physician-assisted suicide in Massachusetts. We're, we're not going to do that. And they said that falls under the criminal laws and manslaughter laws. So this is against the law. You can't do it. Now, this, the the court explained, here's quoting the court. It says, although we recognize the paramount importance and profound significance of all end-of-life decisions, after careful consideration, we conclude that the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights does not reach so far as to protect physician-assisted suicide. We conclude as well that the law of manslaughter may prohibit physician-assisted suicide and does so without offending constitutional protections. So they're actually protecting life there, which is kind of an unusual thing in Massachusetts. But here's what I love. They said, we conclude that the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights. All right, little history moment here. Massachusetts Declaration of Rights was largely written by John Adams. That was his thing. The Massachusetts Constitution, this is the Constitution they have had since 1780. It is the same Constitution since 1780. It's the same Constitution where that 20-something years ago they said, yep, the right to gay marriage is in this thing. You go, wait a minute, John Adams didn't put that in there. And I guarantee you John Adams didn't write anything in there about physician-assisted suicide. So this really is a shift for a really super liberal state to come back to a somewhat pro-life position on this particular issue. I just, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And then they, they actually quoted the Massachusetts Constitution as the basis. That's, that's just amazing to me. That, that's great news out of Massachusetts. May God add more to their tribe headed the same direction. More and more going back to, to that original stuff would be great. I do want to point out that when you ask guys, what do you think the good news is? I said, John Adams. I just want to point out I called John Adams from the very beginning, and I was correct. I think because of that, you should get to do another piece of good news, Tim. That's your reward for being able to nail that. <laughs> okay, well, this good news comes out of West Virginia, and the, the title of the article says, Judge Upholds West Virginia Law Prohibiting Transgender Athletes from Participating in Girls Sports. Now, this was a federal judge, Judge Joseph R. Goodwin, and there was so the state had passed a law saying it's got to be biological for for athletics in schools. Uh, And there was an 11-year-old boy who was born male but decided to identify as female and wanted to play on the girls' teams, sued the state to overturn the law. And the judge came out very clearly. And I'm going to read you part of of what he wrote because it really is so common sense, which unfortunately seems to be more rare these days. But he said, while some females – may be able to outperform some males, it's generally accepted that on average, males outperform females athletically because of inherent physical differences between the sexes. 
This is not an overboard generalization, but rather a general principle that realistically reflects the average physical difference between the sexes. Given that concession that circulating testosterone in males creates a biological difference in athletic performance, I do not see how I can find that the state's classification based on biological sex is not substantially related to its interest in providing equal athletic opportunities for females. And on he goes. And by the way, Alliance Defending Freedom was involved in this. They applaud the judge for what went on. But let me let me just point out that this this is something that we have always known was common sense. And unfortunately, we have, have not seen common sense prevail in so many areas. But West Virginia passed a law protecting girls in sports and the laws challenge. We know these laws will get challenged. But then to have a judge that just so practically says, guys, like this is kind of crazy. We understand that boys and girls are different. Men and women are different. And it doesn't make sense for biological males to play on females' teams. There's an inherent advantage, generally speaking, et cetera. So this is great news. You know, guys, we've talked about over the last several years where we've had some great legislators get to the different state houses, state bodies. They've passed some great legislation. But really, since President Trump, we have seen more and more judges in places where they are upholding these really solid pieces of legislation. And this is yet another example of a judge upholding great legislation, common sense, protecting girls in sports. This should be a no-brainer for basically every parent out there. So this is great news coming out of West Virginia. Well, folks, thanks so much for listening today. I know these Good News Fridays are encouraging to you because they're encouraging to me as well, and we hear it from people all the time how important it is to get the good news. We've always taken the approach of, you know, you teach the good, the bad, and the ugly. You teach it all. You don't shy away from the uh, the, the bad things in our history. You teach those because you can learn from those. But, you know, we also like to emphasize the good, emphasize the positive of what's happening. It's just our human nature that we need encouragement. We need to know that what we're doing will make a difference. We need to know that what we're doing is is is, is not wasted. And, uh, and even if we don't see the results, we shouldn't rely on the good news only because duty is ours, results are God's. We know that. That's our philosophy around here. So even if we don't see the good results, we keep fighting. We keep doing what we're supposed to do. But when there is good news, when there are good results, we should talk about it. And that's what we love doing on Friday. So I hope you've enjoyed our Good News Friday today. I hope you'll share it with your friends and family. Take that link today at our website, wallbuilderslive.com. Send it out there on your social media. Make your contribution at wallbuilderslive.com. And then make sure that you're signing up to be a coach and, and host these classes in your community where we're seeing just a tremendous, tremendous amount of revival across the nation. Over 23,000 coaches now all across the nation doing Constitutional Live, Biblical Citizenship, American Campfire Revival, Foundations of Freedom, all these great programs. You can get them for free by signing up as a coach at constitutioncoach.com, and you can be that catalyst in your community. Thanks so much for listening today to Walt Lovers. We stand undivided.